podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the podcast that brings you business ideas from established entrepreneurs. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guest would take to get started. Follow through and you can earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Here are your hosts, Chris Justin and Ethan Janney. This is Chris Justin. And I'm Ethan Janney. And today on the show, we have Chad Pytel. He's the developer and the CEO of ThoughtBot, a web and mobile design and development studio with small teams of designers and developers in Austin, Boston, London, New York City, Raleigh, and San Francisco. ThoughtBot has produced top quality applications with hundreds of clients from one-person startups to Fortune 500 enterprises, universities, and not-for-profits for more than 15 years and are the creators of many popular open-source projects. In addition to working with clients, Chad is responsible for overall strategy for the company. He has co-authored two books, Rails Anti-Patterns and Proactive Record, and spoken at conferences around the world. He lives with his wife and two children in Newton, Massachusetts. Chad, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, we're very excited about this. Definitely. About this interview. So, Chad, you've developed... You've helped develop hundreds of applications as CEO of ThoughtBot. You host a podcast with an awesome name. I'm just going to say it here. <laughs> giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Oh, That's, yeah. uh, you're owning the search, ter- <laughs> search query for that, I imagine. Yeah. Um, so if people want to learn more about ThoughtBot and giant robots, there's a wealth of information online. We'll also have a little bit of time at the end for you to talk more about that. But this podcast is about something different. We're, talk- we're going to talk about a completely new business idea, uh, or at least a business idea that is new for our listeners here and a business that doesn't exist currently today. Uh, so let's, let's kick things off by asking you to tell us about a problem that you're seeing in the world. So a problem that I'm seeing in the world and a problem that we faced at ThoughtBot is as we've grown from you know, four, eight, 20 people um, in Boston to uh, 110 people across six um, cities throughout the U.S. and in the U.K., um, scaling our HR system, scaling our payroll, scaling the benefits that we have has um, had a lot of, um, you know, pitfalls to that. Specifically, we have very high standards for who we are as a company and and what we wh- how we work a- as a company, and we historically, as a way to help with that scaling, have looked at things like um, PEOs, professional employment organizations, and what those are is, you know, it's actually a company that is providing all HR and benefits to. Uh, companies, employees, and you actually like they're technically employing, employing people, and then you're contracting with them to provide those services. That's one solution. The other solution are um, companies like Namely and ADP, uh, which provide payroll and online systems for managing that payroll. And then there's some new ones too, like Gusto, um, that provide benefits and an online system and enrollment and everything, but they're not going, they're not a PEO. They're not a professional. They're not actually employing people on your team. And so I I think that there's an opportunity to 
bring a lot of those ideas together into one simple solution that works for small and medium-sized businesses and helps companies scale, particularly geographically um, across a lot of different states and a lot of different countries because the rules and regulations and taxes and everything can be a real burden to small companies and to do it right and, and to do it well while maintaining the high level of quality. And so I think that there's an opportunity there to do that. I think that there are some pitfalls, which we'll t- I'm sure we'll talk about, but that's the idea, particularly in, as remote work continues to scale, teams distribute across a lot of geographies. And the idea of making a registered office in every single state that you might have an employee in, that's, a, that's an obligation, like you're supposed to do that. Um, I think a lot of um, remote teams aren't necessarily doing that. Instead, they're opting to um, bring people as contractors onto their team. And technically, that's not okay to do an independent contractor for someone who's really an employee. So we're creating a lot of liability on our teams and in our companies by doing that. And uh, so another trend, it, it, in addition to the to the remote work, is uh, I think more companies, even if you're not fully remote, are sort of operating at a global scale, even though they're relatively small today. I know ThoughtBot um, is operating sort of at the same scale as companies that are much larger than us. And so we face a lot a lot of the same challenges that those geographically distributed companies um, face, but we have to deal with them and we're a lot smaller. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. When I first saw your submission for this idea, I thought it was interesting because it seems like this would be a problem that had been solved because companies have to deal with payroll, with benefits, with HR, health insurance uh, for for a very long time. And it, it sounds like one of the main challenges that are, have been introduced recently are distributed workforce and contract labor and uh, incorporating that into... Um, into existing systems isn't a great fit. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the problems that you see using existing systems? I think when you, so let's take uh, P, traditional PEOs, for example. I think there are two main problems that we've seen. Just one is with PEOs in general, which is a PEO is, they're a company that is providing HR and benefits and they're actually employing everyone across all of their different clients. Mm. So a PEO is set up um, to provide everybody with essentially the lowest common denominator across all of the companies that they service. Not only that, but they're a for-profit company. So they, in order to have a margin, they're going to provide the lowest level of service and benefits that they can get away with um, so that they can have a margin on top of that. So health insurance is already really expensive. And so if they're looking to get a 20% margin on health insurance plans, then they're going to choose a pretty crappy plan (laughs) to Mm. be able to build in that margin for their business. Um, So you get this lowest common denominator factor. The other is um, PEOs exist across, like a typical PEO won't focus on any one industry. So the needs of or the the expectations of tech workers are very high. Um, and so if you try to mesh a PEO across like 
a tech company and nothing against plumbers, but like it's another service services kind of company like ThoughtBot, you know, but the expectations of the benefits and that kind of thing that that like a, a services company like uh, a plumbing or electrician or, you know, other kinds of workers might have or even just like any industry like restaurant or that kind of thing. The expectations of team and employees are very different. And so uh, what you see is PEOs need to be big in order to make the numbers work. Um, and they do that across different industries. And therefore, it's it's sort of not servicing any one industry well, as far as I can tell. So that's on the PEO side. And if you do the non-PEO approach um, between, you know, if you're either just providing benefits packages or online systems or payroll, um, there's a few companies that do it pretty well there, but um, they're not <clears throat> solving the core problem that we face, which is this is hard for a small business to do. Mm-hmm. They can try to do more and more, but um, it's not going all the way that the PEO potential has. And I think that that's where the key idea is, is to to figure out how to provide a PEO specifically targeted at the high standards that tech companies have not only for the online services that we use, but the benefits that we provide and the interaction that we have with teams in a way that um, that is built for the tech industry. Yeah, that's interesting because if you can focus on, maybe you're going to focus on an industry where they're they're generally at a higher at a higher mm-hmm. level of payment, right? Like you're saying, maybe you're your your uh, salaries for your developers is a little bit higher than they would be for a restaurant worker or something like this. And so maybe there's a, an opportunity there to niche into a system where there's a little bit higher, I want to say revenue potential. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. And you know we haven't been able to use a PEO because of the lowest common denominator. So I think we're an ideal candidate to to use a PEO, but we we every time we look at it, we don't do it because the level of benefits plans that they provide are worse than what we would otherwise do. Mm-hmm. The way that their online systems work is worse than we would like. Um, so just those expectations, like I see ourselves as a customer for that kind of thing, but the level um, when we've researched it, the level of what we see in the industry is not something that we would sign on to. I think this is a good place to take a slight educational tangent for our listeners here. So uh, ThoughtBot was kind of formed under similar circumstances or ideas, right? You, you uh, like to be on the edge of, of uh, work. When you started out, you were one of the first to use Ruby. And please correct me as I'm, as I'm uh, doing a poor job of explaining this, but uh, neither of us have a development background. So no, yeah, <laughs> just so you know. You're um, good so far. Yeah, and I, I think it's difficult for listeners to appreciate that the that edge when you're going at the very high end is much more valuable uh, when you're creating bespoke solutions or very um, white glove type solutions than the uh, typical maybe PEOs that they would if they're if the listeners out there googling uh, for a PEO they're going to be probably lower end in terms of pricing uh, than what you'd be looking at here. So. Uh, 
you mentioned the value of the solution you wrote in. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I forget what I put there. I honestly, <laughs> I should have. I should five hundred to fifteen hundred per per employee per month. Right, right. So, so, so one of the thing, great things about PEO is you get all the cash flow. So the entire cost of employing a person is coming to you. All their payroll, all their benefits, everything flows through you. So for a lot of tech companies, the the biggest expense you have is your people. And so when you're a PEO, you have the opportunity to sit in between that and all of that cash flow is coming through you. So for every customer that you have, the entire payroll and benefits and everything are all flowing through you for every single employee. So high cash flow um, and the potential to take um, a small percentage of that. So just if you look at the benefits provided, so that's you know the commuting benefits, the health insurance, all those kinds of things, it's five to $1,500 for an individual or a family. But then you also say, okay, then we also have the payroll fees on top of that. Um, so that's my estimate for when you actually take the payroll amounts, the money flowing through you is much higher than that. And so there's there is a potential, especially on volume, to 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 have even more. You know, not that this is going to be something people will get started with, but this brings to mind when you have a lot of revenue coming in, and maybe you get to sit on it for even a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure whether the existing resources out there are doing this, but you have the potential to do like what Warren Buffett does with Geico. You know, you take it's called float. It's the money that is sort of like been paid out paid in uh, by people that are insured and it sits there until they need it. So you just invest it. Um, So I don't know if these other companies are doing that, but it may be a way to get an edge um, and make some profit and still not charge as much, you know, as, as other companies might typically do. Yeah. And honestly, like, you know, part of this is taking ideas that I haven't fully explored and and bring to them to the show. So I, I don't know. I don't know on that level what existing companies are doing or, right. or what the potential is. But yes, right. it strikes me that that is, is true. Yeah, that's interesting. Part one of the question that I turned into a, a compound one here was around uh, the edges of mm-hmm. businesses and, and businesses that take on uh, a smaller set of, of customers but potentially charge higher amounts. You did something similar with ThoughtBot, again, uh, would you say that that's what what appeals to you about businesses like that? Yeah, I think finding your niche is really important. But we, you know, we, um, I've had Seth Godin on my show. We were talking about uh, that uh, Seth Godin before we started recording. Um, he, you know, he's not the only one to talk about it, but but this idea of not being afraid to find a small niche and be the best you can be in that and have people come to you because of that niche. And I think you could, so not only have I said like, you know, the tech industry is a niche, but I think if you were to look at how I might actually bring this idea to market, um, you know, ThoughtBot, we have a playbook that describes how we work, how we believe products should be built and how our company works. And that people pass that around. They say, this is an example. And I, I meet people all over the world who run small consulting companies 
um, smaller than ThoughtBot or similar size or even a little bit bigger. And they say, we use ThoughtBot as a model for how we work. Um, and so I think that there's an opportunity to go e- even further, particularly if you think about launching this business and making the smallest possible niche possible. I would probably capitalize on the reputation that ThoughtBot has and say, this is the systems and the benefits and the payroll that ThoughtBot has. And it's meant for small boutique design and development agencies, you know, who don't want to have the hassle of managing all of the HR and benefits and payroll and everything that comes with running and scaling a small business. So get the best in the industry by using what what ThoughtBot does. That's this probably the smallest possible niche that I could think of in terms of the scale of things of those those small those small businesses. But the idea is you're getting a thousand fans, a thousand people who believe what you believe. Can you build a business off of that? And I think you certainly can. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, that Seth Godin interview, I think it was episode two forty four. And you called it a fork in the road, which I, I thought was a great title as well. Uh, it sounds like for this new idea, you're taking that uh, that road of very niche down. And you have a game plan for what you would do with the resources that you have at ThoughtBot. Um, I want to get into a game plan for what our listeners would do. So keep that in mind for mm-hmm. a little bit later in the episode. But before we get there, let's talk a little bit about the competition uh, you shared a few competitors already. Uh, JustWorks.com was one that I took mm-hmm. a look at. And can you tell us about what would differentiate this new service from a company like them? I think what really does... Um, so some things are great about those services. Um, oftentimes the online experience that a, these new companies are providing is better. Um, and so that's really good. But what they're lacking is what they could gain by going fully into the PEO model. Um, so JustWorks, um, Gusto um, are providing payroll benefits, HR compliance all in one place, but they're not actually a PEO. Um, and I think that the potential exists to bridge that gap. Now, if you look at the PEOs, you look at their websites and what they're doing and what they're actually providing people. And it's like, that's not what I would want to use as an employee. Um, and so, but I think the, the problem that they're solving for their customers is a real one. So that I, that's where I think the opportunity is, is to, to bridge that gap and provide the services of a PEO with the experience, uh, user experience of um, what these new companies like Gusto and JustWorks are providing to, to people. Got a couple of things to throw in here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, first of all, um, this is a huge pain point. I'm very aware of it. <laughs> uh, I have a business that it does well with a contractor model. And that's like, that's the model we're on. My, the people that work with me have a lot of freedom. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's okay. But the liability aspect that you mentioned is something that I often get concerned about. Um, because they really like the business. They feel a part of the business. And then when any, when I think from, I looked a little bit into the law of it, but it's like when people like feel like they're actually part of the business or they're representing mm-hmm. it or on behalf of it, then it gets a little bit sticky there. 
So, so I looked into payroll systems and I never even got into, um, treating the people that work with me as employees. I just made myself an employee just to see how it would work. And it was the hugest headache that I've ever had in my business. I mean, literally ever. It was, it was just gut wrenching. Um, Mm -hmm. there's just so much. All of a sudden you make one decision to, 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 to treat someone on pay as an employee on payroll and all of these legal things just start just jumping, piling up on top of you. And there's all these documents you have to read and understand and all these things you have to keep track of. Um, so I can definitely vouch for the, that there, I know there's pain there. I can say that I, I tried gusto and I got excited about it. I was like, Oh, this is great. Um, somebody's going to help do this. And I was, once I started using it, I was kind of like, what are they really doing here? I feel like they're just asking me to fill in some boxes that I could have filled in myself. It, it, it reminded me mm-hmm. of like tax prep software, you know? yeah. um, which is great for them um, if they can make a business on it. And I think the reason I'm bringing this in now is it has to do with the competition aspect. And it's like anytime you have an industry where people can kind of put something out there, charge quite a bit for it and not do the greatest job, then there's space for more you know, and it's a growing industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and there's, you have these big players like ADP and, um, um, paychecks are the two big payroll providers in, in the U S certainly, I don't know if they're biggest in the world. Um, there are these big legacy platforms, lots of company use them, but they're, they've created, because of the service that they provide and the experience that they provide, that's where a lot of these new players come in. And these new players have raised hundreds of millions of dollars in VC because people can see the total opportunity if someone can uh, come in and capture just a small percentage of uh, any market like this. Uh, it's it's a big deal. The other thing that is important to me personally and what drives me in terms of what we do at ThoughtBot and I think what would be what it makes this an important problem to solve that I haven't really touched on is that I think health insurance in the United States is fundamentally broken. Um, and I want to be a part of solving that. And it's a really difficult problem to solve. And I think that there's an opportunity to do a better job right, right now. There's no getting around it. We have an employer based healthcare system in the U S and so I would love to be, to figure out ways of making that better for everyone involved um, by reducing cost, by providing a high level of service and benefits and a user experience that, you know, we have, we have smart people who work at ThoughtBot and we tried to um, a few years ago, have a health insurance plan in order to keep costs low. We added, we had a high deductible plan with an, um, with an HRA where we're putting money to against the deductible so that people actually have a lower deductible. And we're taking on some of that risk. You do these complicated things from an employer perspective in order to make health insurance work for people and to to make it sustainable, but it's confusing. And even the smart people that we have on staff like just couldn't wrap their heads around what their benefits actually were and mm. and that kind of thing. And that's a real shame because it's such an important part of what um, you need to be healthy and to 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 sort of like exist. Um, so personally, that's something that I am excited about solving and making better. 
um, because I just think it's broken. It reminds me this this sort of opportunity also reminds me of uh, of like online credit card processing and Stripe. You know, mm-hmm. it's a difficult problem. Uh, nobody, it seems like it should be solvable, like Chris said, at this t- point in time, but nobody's jumping into it. But if they do, it's a huge opportunity. Right. I, I love that analogy because I think it's totally spot on. Stripe didn't actually do anything that special, but they approached it from, it was like every previous company hadn't actually been built by anyone who was going to program anything against the the, the service. And what they did was they said, we're going to take you know what's existing and we're going to do it from a tech mind, a developer mindset and make a user experience that is built for the people actually using this. And th- they were so successful with that. Uh, it was amazing. Um, I think that there's an opportunity to do the same, same thing. So API first or API forward services for adding new employees when you have them. So we've done that at, at ThoughtBot when we use an existing service. We're really looking at what APIs do they provide so that when we add a, somebody new to the team, our internal system can just fire off a, a webhook and, and provide you know their name and, and information so that the onboarding kick process kicks off automatically in this and they're added automatically to the payroll, that kind of thing. I think there's opportunity to, to provide a service that works much better for um the companies that are full of smart people. One question that comes to mind when you talk about Stripe and you talk about it being a relatively straightforward problem, once that's been figured out and that path has been paved for people, what makes Stripe defensible? I think it comes down to the, like, you can have good ideas, but the execution and ability to reliably execute on them matters. So, like, eventually... Braintree was able to, and and Braintree was bought by PayPal, was eventually able to roll out new P- APIs and, and experience and that kind of thing to try to match Stripe. But they're just not, they're really just, you know, not quite there yet. They're not the same. They don't have the, um, it's, it's almost like it's not systematically part of who they are. So they're not deliver, they're not executing at the same level uh, as Stripe does um but i i'm not afraid of competition just in general not you know you mentioned it earlier competition generally signals hey there's a business here like if there's multiple competitors all doing a certain part of this or all of it shows that you can build a, a business there and i think when you've built something and new competitors come up to try to 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 take you on, I think that's also healthy. I think that that drives you to understand what your true value that you're providing is, and what your what your value proposition is, and what your purpose as a company is, and um and go after it. You know, we we at Thoughtbot, we're a design and development agency. Um, we work locally with customers. So you you mentioned at the top of the episode, every place we have offices, those offices have designers and developers in them who work with local companies in those cities. We face tons of competition from people who are have a salesperson in Austin and are outsourcing all the work to some other place, you know, Ukraine or something like that. And they're much cheaper than we are. And, and, but their work doesn't match the thing. There's a certain value provide to getting in a room with 
people where you're located and creating the first version of a product together. And you can't replicate that experience um, in the same way and work as quickly as we do. And the and also there's an intangible of the relationships that we build with people while we're working together. And so the people who choose ThoughtBot not only value the the um, the actual like what we're going to execute on together and we're going to do it faster and better than someone else, but the relationship that we're going to build together along the way, face-to-face, in the same room together, that has a certain value as well. And so recognizing that like there's lots of other people that we could – that our customers can work with and they choose not to because of those values that we provide. And so I think those emerge sometimes over time or sometimes you go into the ideas with the, an understanding, but it's that kind of stuff that differentiates you from so the, those those competitors who come after you. I think that's a really important point because a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs hold back because they think that their idea is too straightforward and they want something that is uh, going to blow someone's mind, right? And and when you talk about managing payroll and, and healthcare <laughs> for, for small businesses, that's not something that someone's going to come to you at a cocktail party and say, hey, hey, I've got this great idea. Listen to this. We're going to manage payroll <laughs> and HR and healthcare for small businesses, right? Yeah. That just doesn't happen, but that's where the actual value is. And it's incredible that you've, again, worked with tons of companies over the years. You've had a podcast focused on building better software for six years, right? And this is the idea that you're bringing to our listeners. Like That, to me, is what better proof of concept right. than that? You know, the other thing, too, um, just to for the listeners out there, too, um, if you're looking for a mission, right, and this is also aligns with with Stripe, uh, what a what a business like this doing is really allowing for business to happen more easily. Mm-hmm. You know, literally businesses, you know, honestly, I've heard multi-million dollar business people when they get together, one thing that they might lament is like making payroll, you know, like payroll in itself um, touches on so many businesses and it can bring them down. I mean, making payroll is, 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 is about having your numbers together, of course, and like making sure you have enough revenue to pay the payroll. But at the same time, that's something that you have to manage on a, and it's like an ever present thing that if, if you can't, if you can't hold your payroll together, then the business is not going to be held mm-hmm. together. That's your, that's one of your main responsibilities. And to be able to have someone else say, Hey, listen, you're not a payroll expert. You're, you're trying to start this business or that business or this mm-hmm. business. Like you focus on that. We'll take care of this stuff. It is, it's boring. It's, you know, it's, there's a lot of legal stuff. It's complicated. We'll take care of it. You do what you do best. I love that about the mission. Another thing we could build on with Stripe is Stripe. Um, I think it was last year or the year before, started doing Stripe Atlas, which takes services and problems that small that businesses need to solve to get started. So that like you can sign up for Stripe and it's not only doing your credit co- credit card processing, but they'll now have partners and a service that can help you incorporate in the different cities you are and that kind of thing. Mm. There's no reason that Stripe couldn't be a partner for this in terms of like, yeah, you want you know, not only the, your incorporation and your credit card processing and payments and everything, but we have this partner that can do all of your employment um, concerns as well. 
Um, that being said, all that being said, I think, you know, I would be happy for someone to, if someone to look at this and say, the complete solution makes a lot of sense, but it's a big problem to solve. Mm -hmm. And that there's, you could provide just by focusing on health insurance or just focusing on payroll is a place to get started. I think that that is possible. And I, I clearly am very passionate about healthcare, uh, health insurance. Um, and so I could be convinced that like, you know what, just focus on being the stripe of health insurance and like become a really great modern health insurance company that, um, you know, has APIs and that kind of thing and a great user experience. And that is a big enough opportunity and a big enough value that you're providing that you should just focus on that. Um, I see the value of the big picture, but it's, you know, it's not just one industry, it's multiple industries. And so it's a big thing to, to, to bite off. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, a perfect point to segue from because mm -hmm. that's a, uh, and I love that your mind's already going in that direction. Mm -hmm. So for our listeners out there who, who get it, they buy in, this is a big problem. It's worth, going after this unsexy solution. Uh, what are some things that they can get started with to, um, to get this idea going? I think that that would be one of them is like looking at the full picture and looking at the, the size of each market and whether the niches that I've talked about actually make sense. The, um, and what the total value is. And, and getting more information about how the mechanics of PEOs actually work in terms of what the margins are typically and, and how the money flows and like, can you capture the flow? And those kinds of things would be good because I don't, I don't know about that at the level that I think would be required in order to, uh, to really move forward. And then also, okay, does it actually make sense instead to, um, just focus on one portion of that, um, and in, and I've been talking about bridging modern user experience and you know services with the PEO model makes a lot of sense to me. But val validating that somehow would mm. would be good. I like idea validation as a as an avenue mm -hmm. for people to take. Um, one thing, one question that's coming up, like yeah, let's let's say you're validating your work and you're researching. What do you think client number one looks like for a business like this? My hypothesis would be, well, if Thoughtbot would switch to this, that would be a really right. good um, model. Like if, if we aren't going to switch to it, I don't think any, like I, I think that that is that. And then the other one would be companies like us or, or other companies. I think comp customer number one is probably someone like us. Um, either that or very small three to five person team who has started to hire people and is starting to feel the pain of that and says, I, I really want to focus on my business. I don't. I, and so it's easy to say, I'm going to move over the three and five people to this new service, new benefits, new payroll, um, and, and go from there because they've started to feel, feel the pain and they don't want to deal with it. That might be another, you know, profile of what that first customer looks like. Let's talk about the people within those companies. So at a hundred person company, if a listener wants to 
to get some feedback on this idea and learn a little bit more about the pains at that specific company, what role would they be reaching out to? Um, so at ThoughtBot, we call it people operations. That's the more modern um, title instead of HR now, um, but a lot of companies call it human resources or HR. And so there would typically be a chief people officer or director of HR, something like that is the person who's in charge of all of this stuff at the company. What I find is that the decision to make a move like this, though, will typically involve the CEO. Mm -hmm. So you reach out to the probably you reach out to the uh, HR department to find out what the pains are mm -hmm. and how bad they are and maybe even what they're worth. And then you use that information to commu communicate with the CEO that these are pains that are worth outsourcing a solution to basically yeah. right yeah now that being said small companies that you know you you said what would it look like at a hundred person company at a company that's 20 person or below you might not have an hr person at all and so actually a lot of that that might be a pr really good market segment for who would actually be considering this and is really feeling the pain and saying do we add an hr person just to handle this oh we can switch to this service and we can delay adding an HR person to the team for another two or three years. How much is that worth to us? Well, you know, if they make $80,000 a year, that alone is saving a significant amount of money and allowing us to scale without adding that non-technical overhead to the team. Mm. Do you think that there would be value in focusing on a specific industry, at least to start? I think that there is, um, if especially if this were going to come out, if I was doing this and it was coming out of ThoughtBot and it was, you know, um, using our sort of reputation and brand to build upon, then it to me it really makes sense to say, yeah, who looks up to us and what? And there are lots of um, services companies, consulting companies all over the world, from you know two to a hundred people in size and um, saying that this comes out of that kind of company, that kind of industry, even if they don't know about ThoughtBot might make a lot of sense. Um, that's what I would do if it was me, but I don't, there might be another industry or another segment that's an even bigger opportunity or an even stronger value proposition. And so that, that I would want to seek that out too. Mm-hmm. If if somebody comes to you at like let's say somebody showed up tomorrow at Thoughtbot and and for some reason you engage with them and they want and 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 your conversation made you want to at least take the first steps into moving because you're doing your all your own payroll now you don't outsource anything basically right we use a service like um we use we use Namely now mm -hmm. um and we are actually in the process of switching. Mm -hmm. away from namely to you know another payroll service um so we use a service but we have people as part of our team and as part of our accounting department who actually like do the payroll right 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 mm -hmm. so yeah so if somebody came in and they said we're going to you're going to switch from what you have or start switching over to the service that we have what do you think would be the first steps um of of a switch it's not a thing where you could switch just a couple employees, or is it? I, I don't even know. Like, is there a way to start out small with this, or do you have to kind of jump in with both feet? 
technically speaking, you could switch over just a couple of employees. And the reason, the barrier to doing that would typically be, you know, ThoughtBot, we have a employee handbook and a thing that tell, points people to where they see their benefits and that kind of thing. So if you wanted to roll it out to just a few employees, people we would have to like make it clear to them like you're you're in a special group the place you go to see things the place you do things is different than everybody else and mm-hmm. so i would probably look to do that we're organized in studios so i would probably look to do it in, in like hey the austin team um you're going to move over to this new system um and that would be the way that i would isolate it. at another company it might be just like an individual team there's a time-based aspect to this as well yep can you talk about that a little bit? So most companies are going to have all of their benefits and and renew on a yearly basis. So there's going to be an open enrollment period at the end of the year. So people are probably used to this that they have benefits at a company now where, you know, you're being told, "Hey, you know, we're renewing your benefits. Here's what the plans look like for 2020." November and December is open enrollment period, so you can um make your elections of what you want and then it all goes into effect January 1st. That's the majority of companies are on that annual cycle. Some companies are off of it, depending on your fiscal year and that kind of thing. So this podcast is going to be released at the perfect time for people <laughs> in that a lot of people will be thinking about their benefits. It's going to be around that time for mm-hmm. open enrollment for folks. So listeners, this is a great opportunity to talk to people and and while it's fresh for them. Right. For what Essentially, the every are. company in the United States uh in the next uh, quarter is renewing their all their benefits. They're getting quotes. So the way it actually works is you get a quote for health insurance specifically. You'll have plans, say it's with you know Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you probably have a broker who's doing the, the insurance for you. Um, so at some point, your broker is going to say, we've got the renewal rates from Blue Cross and Blue Shield. It's going up 8%. Um, we've gotten quotes from... To other companies and, you know, Blue Cross and Blue Shield, even though it's going up 8% year over year, is still the cheaper option. You should stick with them. And so then you're just saying, or they're saying, you know, we should think, we think you should potentially look at, at the, you know, the other options. And um, you may choose to change your plans as a company. So in the next quarter, every, almost every company is going through that, that cycle. I wanted to uh, kind of pose a question here. So if um, one of the reasons we thought you might be a good guest on the show is because what your business does is like help other businesses get started, right? Which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. And then, it, and also another reason was that I'd heard that you had had sort of spun off several kind of products. Like you start something internally and then maybe like sell or spin it off and start a mm-hmm. separate entity, stop worrying about it, but it's a separate business. Um just a the idea of saying just even internally in your company oh we're going to create another company and it's going to be called thoughtbot you know peo thoughtbot works yeah whatever <laughs> thoughtbot works is that something that's relatively as far as just logistically, if you just create the separate company and now just call it a PEO, it doesn't even have to really be a profitable company at that point. It just to be, has to be a business now that is a PEO for your business. Is that mm-hmm. is that a feasible something that could happen? I'm just curious. It's totally feasible. We've done it several times now um, where we've done that sort of thing. 
Hmm. What stops us from doing this idea or another idea is um, over the years we've experimented with things that are for design tools that are for designers and developers mm-hmm. and things that aren't. And mm. the things that are for designers and developers, the things that we're users of ourselves and the and we are our own customer are much more successful. And specifically the things that are to- development and design right. tools have right. been much more successful. And the reason why is because we are our own customer. So we know what to build. We don't need to do a lot of external validation, but also to the amount that we have to do external validation or um, the amount that we have to do marketing, we have an existing audience of designers and developers who follow along with us, who pay attention to our blog and our podcast and that kind of thing. And so when we had like a consumer-facing service that wasn't at all to do with design and development, and we launched that, it's like crickets. And when we launch um, a service for designers and developers that they use and you know say it's $25 a month, we go from that to 10,000, 15,000 in MRR in the first month. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, <laughs> it's sort of a no-brainer to focus on the tools for designers and developers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then we're able to scale those tools for designers and developers to 20, 25K in MRR, at which point it's attractive to someone to take over and to, con- to, to, to continue to scale it. And... Um, this is somewhere in between this idea because we're certainly a customer of it ourselves, um, but it's not necessarily just targeted at designers and developers depending on how we actually uh, were to pursue it. So um, we've talked about this internally and we've decided it's not really something that, it's also like a significant business, a significant undertaking. Right. Right, And that's where it's also difficult for us to do because we have our own business. Um, so trying to create another significant one is a, is, a, is a challenge. I like saying to listeners here, like, this is a huge playing field. This episode in general is just going to tell you, if you want to do anything in payroll, you can go into it at, <laughs> right. with some trepidation around the complica- complexities, but some confidence mm-hmm. around the profit potential. And, but what I would say to our listeners is, yeah, you can go and look into all those things, but here's a very interesting way to get started. Start, um, engaging with design development teams, right? That's kind of what you're, Mm -hmm. what you're talking Mm -hmm. about, because that is a, that could be a fun niche, a cool niche. And also like an interestingly scalable niche if you do it well in that niche, right? Because if you can design and develop applications that work well, right, mm-hmm. um, then they can work well on a broader scale. But to start there, I think it'd be really fun, right? I mean, like for designers, oh, let's it's a payroll app and it kind of like the design is nice, right? Or Yeah, or, and you're your user. Like you have payroll, right? You probably right. have a company that, you know, you've logged onto it before to to look at your pay stubs or to manage your benefits and it's it's terrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Um, so I think it's an idea that people can get excited by. Yeah. What if it was fun and engaging mm-hmm. or, you know, gamified or something like that. Right? right. And then for on the development side. Yeah. It's developed well where you can integrate and have an API, like you said. So uh, those are, are, are along the lines of the steps that, that, that we have for our listeners. I think here is like engage with some design dev 
teams that could use this type of thing um, and talk to them about what the biggest problems are, how they're how much they would be willing to spend to kind of solve and and switch over and engage and uh, and get started on the logistics of things and, and sort of like selling it to people and figuring out which direction you have to go. And then you've got a great potential partner here <laughs> to at least give you some advice on where to go and maybe a, a customer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the challenges that uh, when you think about what would make ThoughtBot first customer, one of the biggest complexities we faced was when we started to go in multiple states. The rules and the taxes and everything Mm -hmm. are different. And so it will be a challenge to like have ThoughtBot switch on all over at once. Mm -hmm. Um, So thinking about ways of I think that that is the problem to solve. Like we, when we were switching payroll companies, we had to find one that operates in all states that we operate in. Mm-hmm. Um, all the companies that are coming to market today are launching in a significant number of states in the U.S. It's, it seems like it's table stakes. So validating that as well and figuring out what the sort of strategy is for being able to launch in or do business in all of those states and and make it work for everybody, that is a challenge as well. What would you say, this will be the last question I ask you about this uh, idea itself, what would you say to the listeners out there who have heard this idea and they don't really connect with it, right? They haven't felt that pain themselves. And the in vogue thing is, of course, follow your passion, right? Feel Mm -hmm. If you're really excited about something, then you're not going to work a day in your life. But for a lot of business opportunities out there, that's just not, it's, that doesn't work, right? So what would you say to a listener who feels that way? Well, that's a good question. I mean, you shouldn't work on this then. (laughs) 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 Um, I do think work is work. We call it work for a reason. I I am not a big believer in, um, you know, that idea that if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. This is hard. Running businesses is hard. You, I haven't been able to do what I've done for 16 years now without figuring out how to get through the terrible, no good, very bad days. Um, (laughs) And I call that grit. Um, That's how I talk about it is like the grit and determination to, or, um, to you know pick yourself up and dust yourself off and 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 carry on um and there's 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 a certain reliance you need to have on yourself and the idea um it's got to be able to 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 carry you forward because if you don't if it's not something that you care about uh, so so on on one hand I, I really don't believe in like loving what you do and need it but you need to care about it because it's going to be so hard that if you don't care about it when you have those bad days when you um ha- face a challenge you're not going to be really motivated to work through it and to have the grit to to figure it out so um yeah it's going to feel like work but you still need to care about it I've got a little counterpunch to that. And that yeah. is just that uh, even earlier in the episode, Chris is like, I forget exactly what you said. Oh, this is kind of like a boring thing or whatever. <laughs> so it's not sexy. I'm like, this is exciting. This is kind of <laughs> sexy. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, maybe it's just because I've seen the problem and the, 
you know, yeah. and and and, how, and can imagine how much it would solve things. There are people who love accounting. You know, there are people who love things mm -hmm. that other people find are boring. So it it may not be a fit for every single person. That doesn't mean you shouldn't try it. But there may actually be some someone out there that actually gets excited by it. I have a, f a friend that's also working on a payroll related oh, yeah. um, company, you know, and I, I think it's, uh, I think they're pretty excited about it. So <laughs> I think it would also be, you know, there, there's lots of people who are, have, have worked at these kind of companies before. Maybe you were in a payroll company or you like, there are huge industries. And so it's possible that there's someone out there who's like ideal person to be like, yeah, I, not only do I care about this, but I, I have experience in, in one part of this or in all of this and um, see the opportunity. I think that's a, a great place to wrap up here. So listeners, you've heard this idea and you've gotten some clear action steps to, to get started with it. We'll put those in the show notes as well. Follow through on that. Email us at update at runwithit.fm with what you've done as a result of this podcast We'll choose one listener to receive a free mentoring session from Chad. Uh, everyone who emails in will also get exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers. So uh, follow through on this and, and let us know what you did. Um, Chad, thank you so much for this interview. It's been yeah, a thanks. pleasure. Is there anything that you would like to share with your listeners, with our listeners about ThoughtBot or your podcast? Well, we said what ThoughtBot does. We help people take ideas from concept to launch. Um, we're a design and development company. Um, we also help existing companies solve a problem that they have with you know their technology or with their design. And so if that's uh, something that we might be able to help you with, you can check us out at ThoughtBot.com. And you mentioned previously, I host a podcast called Giant Robots Smashing Other Giant Robots, where we have people on and entrepreneurs and designers and developers working on businesses and we talk to them about their stories and what's going into their business and where they're headed and you can find that at giantrobots.fm great cool yeah. thank you thank you so much chad we really appreciate it and looking forward to talking to you next time Now, it's time for you to run with it. Follow through on the action steps discussed and email a summary of what you did to update at runwithit.fm. Every listener who emails us will gain exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers. And one listener will earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Help us build the Run With It community of generous entrepreneurs. Please like, subscribe, and review us online. And remember, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.